Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week, we are discussing Just Watch the Fireworks, the 15th episode of Season 3, which was written by Chad Fiveash and James Patrick Stodero, directed by Billy Dixon, and originally aired on February 15th, 2006. And we don't just have uh, two friends in this episode, Caitlin. We have another one. I know! It was so exciting to have Brie Leach on again from a Simple Alias podcast, because we had her back on... Ooh, what was the episode? (laughs) (laughs) It was season season two. two, Episode 15. So exactly a season later, we are bringing her back. I know. It was a full circle moment, and it was extremely exciting. Yes, because the last time we brought her on was the episode when the time capsule was recorded, and now she is back for the time capsule getting unleashed, and... Yeah, holy shit. Um, a, a, lot of, a lot of fireworks have uh, erupted from this episode, and it was great. Yeah, it really was. It's always fun to have Brian. <laughs> also, just a little shout out to her. Her birthday is February 26th, which is just a few days from when this episode goes live. So if you're listening to this on the week it goes live, go wish her a happy birthday. If you're listening to it later on, go wish her a happy birthday anyway. I'm pretty sure she'll appreciate it. <laughs> She can be found Bleach226 on Twitter and Instagram. Go, give her some love. She fucking deserves it. (laughs) Happy early birthday, Brie. Yes. All right, let's get into the discussion. Always and forever is spoiler free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. The time capsule is mysteriously released, and the video recordings stream throughout Tree Hill High. While Whitey and Principal Turner race to turn off the videos, students get a glimpse of a few recordings. Nathan said that marrying Haley was the worst decision he ever made. Lucas shared that he wanted to get close to Dan in order to finally beat him. Brooke flashed the camera and also said that she will one day probably be married to someone like Mouth or Senator McFadden. And Lucas and Mouth's old friend, Jimmy Edwards, shared how he hates the school and that everyone in it is a loser. After these revelations, Lucas and Mouth reach out to Jimmy to see how he's doing and apologize for losing touch. They invite him to a benefit concert at Trick that night. Nathan assures Haley that he doesn't feel the same way he did in the video. Peyton tells Brooke that Mouth knew about the Senator thing back at the Fantasy Boy Draft dates. This makes Brooke suspicious about who released the time capsule, and she confronts Mouth about the Senator comment. Later, Mouth tries to explain to Brooke why he saw her video, but she is still upset. In other news, Karen and Keith tell Lucas and Haley that they are engaged. Ah! (laughs) Keith asks Lucas if he can adopt him, and Lucas says yes. Dan confronts Keith about the ledger, which is a storyline none of us understands! <laughs> Keith tells Dan that he's finally moving on and marrying Karen. Peyton organizes a Friends with Benefit concert at Trick to support the National Breast Cancer Foundation. At the concert, Jack's mannequin, Fall Out Boy, and Haley James Scott perform, and it was glorious. And Peyton has a brief flirtation with Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy. And it's all kinds of weird. Sure is. Backstage, Nathan and Haley discuss their insecurities about whether their relationship can withstand Haley's singing career. But Nathan supports Haley and assures her that they will be okay. 
Jimmy gets beat up backstage because of his time capsule comments, and Rachel and Lucas step in to defend him. As a result, Jimmy leaves and tells his former friends to forget about him. Ranking number 24 on LimeWire because Brooke Davis took the 23rd slot. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. Cracking open a can of my favorite name brand orange soda. I'm Caitlin Illinich. (laughs) (laughs) Hiding under my vanity and singing the finale of Les Mis, I'm Brie Leach. (laughs) Yes. That is very, very appropriate for you, Brie, because I know you're a giant Broadway fan. I I love that for you. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome, Brie. We're so happy to have you. I'm so excited to be back. For this great full circle moment, Mm because the last time you were here was when the time capsule was recorded, and now you're here when it's unleashed. Yeah. It's a big moment. (laughs) Uh, so, so excited to join Ed. But first off, let's talk about this song that the episode is titled after. It is called Just Watch the Fireworks, and it is performed by Jimmy Eat World. What's everyone's general thoughts and opinions about this? This song is so long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there, not, there aren't many lyrics either, which was interesting. Like, the lyrics are just like a short little paragraph. Yeah, they just, like, use the same lyrics over and over again. I thought for sure when I was listening to the song that I had, like, accidentally looped it so that it, like, had started again. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, it's just seven minutes of... It's not a bad song. No, I liked the song. You know, it's just seven minutes of... Seven minutes of bliss, I guess you could say. (laughs) I like the song, too. I was like, finally, a song that I actually like. I feel like there hasn't been one (laughs) in a while. And... My connection to this song, I like the lines that, the stanza that repeated throughout, I promised I'd see it again, I promised I'd see this with you now, and then that that is repeated. That made me really think of Nathan and Haley, and how Nathan, like, is finally seeing Haley shine again in this episode as a singer, and I don't know, I just, I read that stanza, and I just immediately connected it to them. Because I feel like it's been so long since he's seen her sing and really shine in that moment because of all of their turmoil <laughs> in the past season. Did you guys have any other connections? Um, for me, it was that opening verse of here you can be anything and I think that scares you. Um, I've been here before, but only by myself. Um, because I think that it really speaks to like recording the time capsule. And so this moment where they were alone and it was like this private confessional and it's a little scary, but you're also alone. And so maybe it feels safe. And then, you know, I promised I'd see it again coming in right after that. They, I don't think any of them anticipated seeing it again or at least not seeing it so soon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like uh, they're reflecting on what they said. I a year ago, a few months ago, however long ago this is, because time has no meaning in Tree Hill. But, <laughs> you know, they're reflected on what they were saying at that point, and they're realized that, like, hmm, I don't necessarily think that anymore. So, like, the line that stood out to me was, I said it out loud over and over, but but what do I know? I said mm. it out loud, but it did not help. And then, you know, it ends, or, like, at least this, the verse ends with, I promise I'd see it again. I promise I'd see this with you now. And I feel like that's just their way of saying, like, hey, 
I said this a long time ago, but you know what? I changed my mind, and now I'm going to come back and be with you in this new place that I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Cool. I think it's pretty straightforward. And that title... You can go, Bray. Oh, I was just going to say, there is a newer version of the song that was released last year. Oh, really? Um, It's almost the same, but it is almost a minute shorter. Um, <laughs> Interesting. So it's still over six minutes, but... Is it like uh, Just Watch the Fireworks Taylor's version or something, or...? um it was the phoenix session so i don't know if it was just like a random re-record or or what the the situation was but it was pretty similar in tone to the original interesting and that title just watch the fireworks i think is interesting because like when the time capsule is released it's like fireworks literally because everyone (laughs) is reacting to what was shared ultimately shall we get into some of those fireworks that erupted though let's do it so (laughs) the time capsule is unleashed and the the thing i thought that was really funny was that it opens up with a clip of nathan recording his time capsule and it mirrors the opening of the episode of season two episode 15 but you notice like nathan has completely different hair (laughs) <laughs> in season two and in season three. Oh, I didn't catch that. I didn't notice the hair at all. <laughs> really? I'm the only one who... Okay. Well, you know, because James Lafferty got a haircut um, a few episodes ago at this point, and obviously... I just assumed... I just assumed they they were pulling clips from that recording, or, like, from that yeah, episode. Well, when they, okay, so they show, like, the very beginning of the episode opens with the exact clip from the episode, but then when you see it on the TV, James Lafferty has oh. very different hair, because obviously they recorded new footage, because, got it. if you remember correctly, uh, Nathan, the, the things that he said about, like, oh, um, 50 years from now, I hope you got what you wanted, Haley, but marrying you was the worst decision I ever made. He did not say that in the original episode. Got it. Yeah, the trust is a lie part. I know that was definitely from the original. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't ever remember it elaborating on that before in season two. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. The other thing that does not happen either is that Brooke also does not flash the camera in the original episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. That I that I remembered. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know that at all. Which kind of like which is kind of weird because we know that Mouth watched this clip. But, like, with the way the footage is edited together, like, Mouth said he did not see Brooke take her clothes off, but I don't understand how with the way the footage was used. I know, because, like, <sighs> how would he have skipped over that part? It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> My only thought is that he, like, assuming it was all, like, VHS, which I feel like it probably was, like, if you stop and fast-forward, you can't see what you're fast-forwarding through. Oh, sure. So maybe he watched, like, part of it and was like, okay, you went, like, thinking about, like, maybe he's having a conversation with Anna to be like, did you do it on this day or on that day? And being like, oh, we have to go way forward. Like, let's stop, fast-forward, and then pull it back maybe. up. Maybe. It's like... Didn't they? But I also find it hard to believe that he didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah. I know, like, in the in the initial episode, he told Anna, two minutes tops. But I'm like, did Brooke really record that much footage? I don't really think she did. <laughs> yeah. 
And Mouth definitely would re- would have we would have seen his reaction in season two <laughs> if he actually yeah. saw this footage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but speaking of Anna, real quickly, I gotta say there is some serious Anna erasure in this episode because if you remember toward the ends. Mouth says that, oh, I, I I saw the clip because I was helping out a friend. Brooke's like, yeah, who? Mouth is like, I can't say. I made a promise. And so that I got to say, like, okay, um, wouldn't people have seen Anna's confession if this time capsicle unleashed? Wouldn't they have seen her video anyway? So in which case, like, does it really matter, the point that you're keeping this promise? Or is this the, the writer's way of saying, let's just not acknowledge Anna. Like, she never existed in the first place. I thought they deleted and, like, re-recorded her. Like, I thought that was what Mouth... Ma- like, what I'm remembering is that Mouth and Anna recorded a new, like, time capsule piece they for did, her. They did, but she ended up coming around. At least this is how I interpreted it. Other people's mileage may vary, but... Um, Anna re-recorded it, but she still admitted the fact that she was bisexual, Except, except, mm-hmm, she, except she used the words, I'm I'm gay and straight, which, you know, that's a problematic depiction, I would say, but... True. I guess I just don't see it as... I feel like Mouth was protecting her in that moment. I don't know if I'd read so much into that, but... Protect her in that moment when Brooke confronted him? That's, a, that's what you're Protecting saying? Anna. Protecting Anna by not revealing her secret. Yeah, but people would have seen her secret anyway, is what I'm saying. Like, when this when this video got unleashed, people would have seen the footage that she yeah, recorded. Yeah. The footage where she still came out, regardless. Yeah, I guess I was thinking that they deleted it, and I forgot that she had re-recorded it. And so I was like, oh, good for, good for Mouth, like, not naming names. Yeah. But now as you're, like, reminding me of, like, what actually happened in that episode, I'm like, oh, I guess he could have actually said... That he was helping Nana. <laughs> yeah, because it's like the secret's out anyway <laughs> at this point. So it's like, why does it really matter? I mean, they never mm-hmm. bring up Anna again in this whole show. So I know. That's saying something right there. I, another person who makes a brief cameo is Tim as well. And he's completely erased from the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they they let him have, like, a little bit of a cameo, even though they reused previous footage. I'm sure Brett Claywell didn't get any money for this, but still, it's it's a little bit of a shame that we don't get to see uh, Brett Claywell anymore. I want to say you get paid any time you're on screen, including, like, still pictures that they use your likeness. Really? He would have gotten, th- gotten paid for this, do you know? Or I'm pretty sure he would have gotten paid for this. Okay, I hope so, because... Because I know that even when they use, like, just, like, a still, like, a picture in a frame, they have to, like, credit you, and I think you get, like, paid for them using your likeness. Oh, Interesting. Really? In a show. And so if they're using actual footage, I mean, maybe it's just, like, royalties from the previous episode, but I would assume he's getting paid something. I hope so. And if anybody knows about us, please let us know. Okay, so I know I jumped around various topics for this time capsule getting unleashed, but let's go back to things that happened in order. So we saw that Lucas says confession that he plans to beat Dan, and obviously that's going to leave a sour note in Nathan's mouth, because Nathan was like, oh, you told me that you would stay away from my dad. So this is bringing up some like old wounds, understandably. Yeah, that was an interesting scene in the hallway when this was playing and then they give each other a look and then Nathan turns around and walks away. 
At least they used the original footage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They did use the original footage. You know, it's like, Nathan, really? Like, you really want to protect your dad still? (laughs) It just doesn't make sense that he's still mad about this. And this is something that Lucas said, you know, months ago. In that moment in the hallway, I didn't read it as Nathan being mad. And in general, I was... Like, kind of throughout the episode, I was like, is this, like, the most mature we've ever seen Nathan? Like, I felt like his reactions to Lucas and then, like, later, like, all of the conversations with Haley, I was like, this this is, like, a, a newly mature Nathan that I don't know we've seen before. Yeah, I yeah, I actually do agree with that take because, yeah, I don't think Nathan was mad necessarily. I think it was more just... He was taken aback. He's like, hey, like, this is something that caused a rift between us before. And like, oh, God, now I'm thinking about it again. Kind of like what it was happening between him and Haley as well. Right. Like, I personally would want to crawl in a hole and never come out if, like, my confession was released to the school. (laughs) Yes. Um, So. I really cannot even imagine. But I think Nathan, I think his gut reaction in that moment was to be mad even though maybe he really wasn't mad. So that's, I think, why I read that situation that way. Like, mm-hmm. he saw it, he recognized, you know, what was happening here. But with the knowledge, like, this was several months ago in Tree Hill time. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of, they're in a different place now than they were. Well, and especially Lucas is coming after Nathan's. Like, Nathan has just had to confront his own words that he's not necessarily agreeing with anymore so that might have helped his reaction to lucas as well i find this whole like beginning of the episode really interesting because like all of these videos are playing and you're also getting to see like the directing of it is is really interesting to me because you're getting to see everyone's reactions and not necessarily like verbal reactions but you're getting these looks and i feel like it reveals a lot about like how this is affecting the school and the tension that it's creating but then like the power goes out and then it comes back on and then we get jimmy edwards video and i feel like the tension in the room builds because everything was kind of like we already knew all this stuff i know it's shocking to the other characters because they're finding it out but then like jimmy edwards is completely new and we are revisiting a character that we had not seen since the beginning of season one we only saw him with Mouth and Lucas at the River Court briefly in, like, the first two episodes. Yeah, he's barely even a character. He's just, that, like, I remember watching this in real time, and I know, Kayla, you didn't watch it in real time. And, Brie, re- remind me, when did you come into the show? Did you come in prior to this moment, or did you come in a little bit later? Um, I feel like I kind of came in and out. So, when, uh... When you got to this episode, if you remember, like, your thoughts and reactions at this point, did you remember Jimmy Edwards? No. Okay, yeah, same. Like, I, when I was watching this in real time, when he came in, I was like, oh, who's this guy? Because you see him in the previous Leons. So, like, you're like, oh, this was a character that existed before. I don't remember him whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, but it was, it was very, very effective because I feel like not only did the characters forget about him, the audience also forgot about him as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, as an audience member, you're you're not going to remember Jimmy's story because he didn't have much of a story. He was just doing, like, the podcast, ravenshoops.com or whatever with mouth. 
And that was really like the only thing we knew about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is very weird, like uh going back to season one and seeing his episodes, knowing what's to come. But what did everybody think about his uh big confessions on the on the time capsule? It made me so sad. Like it's so hard and like dark, but it's also just really sad and I did think it was interesting that they chose to like like as far as the names that he names, they're not characters that we know. And then gets into these generalities of like the jocks and the cheerleaders versus sort of maybe what you might more expect of like calling out the people that were his friends that seemed to have forgotten him. Like as we get further into the episode, like when they're like at the river court and it's like, or even like shortly after this, like outside the school when they all get sent home, it's like, I could have seen a version of it where Jimmy's calling out Mouth and Lucas and these people that he thought were his friends that then kind of, you know, quote unquote, got popular and like left him behind. And instead they chose to like, at least what they show us, um, it's these like other unknown characters that he names names yeah i never even thought about that like why yeah he doesn't mention like lucas and mouth by name Hmm. yeah and he's calling out these people that he's clearly not friends with to begin with and some some of the things i just wanted to quote like what he was saying um there's not a single person in this place worth remembering in 50 years he calls everyone a loser and then he also says the truth is Every day I have to come to the school is one less day I have to come back. That is, like, a really, really sad statement to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, he's very angry and very, very pissed off, and it is, like, kind of, it is kind of dark and ominous, but I feel like you understand, like, this is coming from a place of hurt. And even, like, the way, even you see the way uh, Jimmy reacts in in the background as well. Like, he's, he's looking at all these people, looking at him, and he's like, wow, like, Everybody notices me now, and I I didn't want people to notice me like this. Right. Yeah, that's that's really true. And you kind of wonder, like, it's clear that he feels invisible. I would like a little bit more insight on why he is so upset, because we don't really get the details of, like, what's happened to him in this, in this year in which he has not been friends with Lucas and Mouth, you know? Like, we're not given much insight about that like we can assume bullying perhaps but what has led him to this dark place because we didn't know anything about this prior you know and going back to season one there was no inkling yeah yeah so it just made me wonder that's basically what i'm trying to say it brings up interesting questions all around i think but yes there's a lot of there's a lot going on with Jimmy that we'll unpack as the episode goes along, but I want to go back a little bit to Brooke and the whole fallout with her and Mouth and her flash to the camera and everything that happens. So, you know, the, the part that's revealed on the time capsule is Brooke mentions, like, oh, in, in 50 years, we're going to be married to somebody like Marvin McFadden. You probably call him Senator McFadden. And Peyton brings up the fact that, like, you mentioned that to him, right? Because he brought he brought it up on the boy draft date, and I remember seeing that seeing that clip on the previously on in real time, and I'm like, oh, I didn't even remember that being a thing. Like, there's so many subtle details in this mm-hmm. episode that they really like run with, and I absolutely love it for that reason. Yeah, they like dove into the archives with those previous things. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
But yeah, like, but Brooke immediately, I didn't, I really didn't like how Brooke immediately attacked Mouth and just jumped the conclusions that he unleashed the time capsule. Like, being mad about him looking at her time capsule, that's one thing, but jumping the conclusions that he leaked it, I didn't really like that personally. And I also didn't like how Brooke confronted him in like very, a, a very passive aggressive way. She was like, hey, Peyton told me you're thinking of running for senator. I think it's a great fit, since most politicians are liars. Which, yeah, true, but <laughs> maybe not the best way to confront the problem, Brooke. And then, and then she just walks away. I wasn't a fan. Yeah, it didn't seem it didn't seem like the relationship that they had built. Like, it seemed like they would have had a more honest conversation. And, and even just like Brooke fashion, like the way that she owned her exposure with like, oh, yeah, I'll just take this clip and I will help you market your concert by like creating this poster and like kind of just being like this was terrible and now I'm gonna own it like Mm -hmm. I just feel like she's a much more straightforward person and so to like talk to mouth about it that way didn't feel true yeah I completely agree even to jump to the conclusion that mouth actually saw I mean he did see the video but it seems like a little bit of a reach to me that this would go I mean I know it's a specific thing that you're saying about someone but like couldn't it have been a misunderstanding of some sort? I don't know. It, it's it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, I'm, I'm sorry, Brock, but is your memory really that good? Like, are you sure you never said this to Mal? Yes, yes, that's exactly ever? what I'm trying to say. <laughs> In any of your conversations, you never said that? Because she says it so definitively. She's like, I never said anything to Mal, so uh, how could he have known? <laughs> like, are you sure? Well, and Peyton... Like, why did Peyton assume, like, in that moment, at least in the previously on, he just says, oh, I'm thinking about running for senator, like, and I don't remember in the episode him saying, like, yeah, Brooke said she thought I'd be a good senator. Does he? So, does- yeah, yes, in, in that episode, it's cut off in the previously on, but in that episode, uh, you know, he says, yeah, I'm thinking of running for senator, and then Peyton gives him a look, and the mouth is like, uh, it's it's about Brooke, um, it's kind of a long story, or he says something along oh, those okay. lines. But yeah, he does clarify that, that's just cut off in that previously on. Got it. Because yeah, just in the previously, I was like, why did Peyton jump to that conclusion that, yeah. like... <laughs> The fact that Peyton even remembers this conversation she had with Mal, like, it just doesn't seem realistic to me, but they made it work. They did. Mm-hmm. But it is a little bit of a reach. <laughs> I barely remember things I said five minutes ago. I barely th- remember things, like, my friends say five minutes ago, yet alone, like, several months ago, like, a very specific thing. Like, oh, yeah, my friend said they're thinking of running for senator. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. What? So anyway, this whole this whole confrontation's weird, but I understand why she's mad at Mouth for viewing her like private details about her life. Like I I get that, and I do have space for her regarding that. But mm-hmm. come on, just talk to each other. Like you gotta. I know. Like what better. Mouth did was wrong. Like we knew that in the moment. He shouldn't have been watching her video. But at the same time, like this could be a conversation. And Mouth mm-hmm. did try to explain, you know, that he. He didn't see the one part where she was flashing and that he was trying to help someone. So it wasn't like he went into that room specifically looking for Brooke's footage. Like, there was a reason why he was in the footage to begin with. It's weird. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is uh, is Brooke's boobs. 
(laughs) (laughs) Number 23 on LimeWire. Yes, number 23 on LimeWire. So, you know... I think it's kind of weird how this episode and and, and great, I don't know like what I like how I think about this. So maybe let's all talk about it. Maybe we can find what we think together. Um, but I feel like the way this episode treats like breasts specifically is kind of weird. Like how they kind of like sexualize like for one thing they sexualize a seventeen year old girl to like sell tickets for a breast cancer benefit show. That's that's one thing. Um. But then also later on, uh, Pete Wentz says that, like, hey, this is Pete from Fallout Boy. We love your breasts, so be sure to take care of them. And it's like, is that the only reason you should take care of your take care of your breasts? Because a man is looking at them? It's I, I don't know what I think I don't know how I feel about this, but there's something that just feels icky about it all. You're right. This uh, episode was really breast heavy. <laughs> yeah, which like it, it, like it worked for like to sell tickets to the concert and like great, like it, that that was amazing. But it's it just kind of it feels kind of weird to like objectify breasts and, and and like I'm keep in mind like what about people who have to get like double mastectomies or something like that? Like that's I feel like it's not very sensitive to them. Like I, I feel like it's putting people with breasts to think like oh I gotta take care of my my breasts so people can objectify them and that's why I should try to monitor my health and it just feels weird to me yeah I think well I will say I mean it definitely feels like very true of the era and honestly I feel like it's really more in like very recent years that the like October breast cancer awareness like month has like shifted away from like the hypersexualization of it into like more generalized health and wellness. Um I had less of a hard time with Brooke only because I saw it as like a way for her to sort of take back, like use her own power to like negate this thing that like she didn't have any she you know yes she recorded it to be like viewed in 50 years. She didn't record it for like her contemporaries to see and certainly not for it to be all over the internet. So I had less of an issue with that. And I had more of an issue with Pete. I was like, it's funny and also uncomfortable. Yeah. To clarify, that's really what I'm talking about. I know I said it in a very long winded way, but what were his exact words again? This is Pete from fallout boy. We love your breasts. So be sure to take care of them. I can see how it's kind of icky. It's kind of funny. I don't know. It. I laughed back I'm not in 2006. Like, I can tell you. I'm that not much. too offended <laughs> by it personally. I think yeah. it's kind of funny, <laughs> but I can see how it's a little insensitive, and it is a product of the time. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, like what about people who have to get like mastectomies or whatnot? Like, does that mean like this story isn't for that? It just it feels very weird to me. Even what Peyton said to Brooke when they were backstage, and. Or no, Brooke, Brooke said to Peyton, why don't you get him to check you for lumps or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that comment's like, okay. <laughs> I thought that to be funny, actually. But maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> but again, it's just, this episode has a weird relationship with boobs, I think. And I don't. Well, remember in the, in the Drama Queens podcast, Sophia talks about how she didn't want to flash the camera in the yep. time capsule video and mm-hmm. that she wore this big and if you pay attention really carefully and i was because i knew this fact about it she has like this you know skin color bra 
that like big bra underneath when she was taking her actual bra off or whatever. So you you can see it wasn't pasties because she didn't want pasties on there. Yeah, because the the people behind the show would have been perving out of her photos and she did not want that. So understandable. Go Sophia. So there was definitely tension here um, with knowing like some background about it. I, I I think you're right, Jeremy. There's there's something going weird going on here with the boobs in this episode. <laughs> I do love, I mean, we'll get to the concert, but the fact that, you know, they were really kind of um, putting a spotlight on the Breast Cancer Foundation was really cool to me. In this oh, episode. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I, I don't know, like, what happened after this episode. Like, I know the Friends with Benefit album that was released, like, they the proceeds went to the National Breast Cancer Foundation. And for all we know, like, maybe after this episode aired, it brought more of a spotlight to the issue, which, like, is very, very fucking cool. So it worked. Um, but I guess it's just one of those things where, as you were saying, Brie, like, it's a product of the time. Mm-hmm. It really is. I think a product of the time. And again, like there's been some shift in like the breast cancer research discourse. But I think that as a society, we definitely still view breasts as more sexual than like they probably should be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One good thing that I mean, a lot of good things come out of the storyline. But one thing that I really liked is when Brooke reveals to Peyton that she posted all those posters, you see the scene of Brooke and Peyton hugging, and that is an iconic gif. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. One of my favorites. They're so cute. That's a gif I like to send everybody. Like, whenever somebody gives me, like, words of affirmation, I'll just send it, and I'll be like, aw. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely sent that to me before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I sent it to both one. of you at some point. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just so cute. So... Anything else we need to talk about in regard to the time capsule and whatnot? We'll get to later stuff at the concert, but... I think we're good, but I'm really not excited about the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, maybe we should just ask Brie, like, you know, like, her thoughts on this. Brie, do you understand what's going on with this fucking ledger? Because Caitlin and I do not. <laughs> I mean, as far as, like, what's going on, I think that it's, like, Dan keeping track of all of his misdeeds in terms of, like, actual money. But I don't know why you would keep that. <laughs> like. <laughs> yes. But also, like, so, so it, I, don't, I don't know, like, if you've been, like, watching, like, the show, like, up to this point, or mm-hmm. rewatching the show up to this point. But at the end of season two, it's revealed that it's fake. But then two episodes ago, apparently the ledger wasn't fake. And it's just really hard to keep up, and we're, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, well, and, I mean, to get into where I'm assuming we're going, of, like, Dan and Keith going to this, like, park or whatever, and Dan, re- like, revealing the ledger to Keith, I'm like, Keith is completely correct here. Like, why do you, like, this is gonna hurt you. <laughs> like, <laughs> why, why are you even bringing it up? Like, the fact that you have it still... Why have you not gotten rid of it? <laughs> the only thing I can think to add Anna to the fact that it, maybe it is fake, maybe he just wants to entice Keith and say, hey, are you going to do something with this? Ha <laughs> ha, sucker, it's fake! <laughs> That's all I can say to justify it in my mind, but... No, I agree, though. It's confusing, and it is, like, dragged out too far, and and even the scene itself doesn't make sense to me, because I'm like, why are you taking him to a place where, like, 
the memory you're bringing up is like he stood up for you and he was a great big brother and this is why you're saying he's terrible now like dan you make no sense i think dan is reflecting on the fact that his brother used to stand up for him and now he's found out that keith had stolen the ledger back in season two and Dan recently found it in the in Keith's lockbox at the bank. When did, again, when did Keith steal the ledger? We have no fucking clue because that's never specified. But I think it's it had to be Lucas and Andy gave it to to Keith, right? But weren't they not in touch with Keith during that little Yeah. Thing? So that doesn't make any <laughs> sense either. This is oh, this is maddening. <laughs> Regardless, like, you know, you know, the spoil, like, the end of the episode, uh, Dan burns it, and we never hear about the ledger ever again on the series, thank goodness. as far as I know. Yeah, thank goodness, we're getting... But I just want to go back to the flashback for a moment, because it is interesting, like, Dan's being bullied, Keith, you know, stands up for him and protects him as an older brother, and, you know, it, it is a little weird that that's kind of paired with the, the current, the present day scene... But I feel like it's just supposed to show, like, how Dan is almost, like, reminiscing, like, this is what it used to be like. My brother used to stand up for me, but now my brother's against me. He also thinks his brother tried to kill him. (laughs) So, like, all of that, I think, kind of together is Dan lamenting the past and comparing that to his relationship now with his brother, which is not good. But I like what Keith, you know, says in the present day. It's like, I'm moving on. Like, you should move on, too. I'm going to go marry Karen, and this is the end of that. Like, Keith yeah. really doesn't want anything to do with Dan, and who can blame him? And I feel like this shows that Keith has let go of, like, what happened with the whole Jules debacle in the previous season. I mean, he's not saying that he forgives Dan, but he is more or less saying, like, hey, like, I'm, I'm moving on. Like, I don't, give, I don't give a flying fuck what you did anymore. I'm just going to move on, and I'm going to be happy. And... That's how life should be. And good on Keith. Honestly. Yeah, I love that response of his when Dan's like, why do you think that is? And he's like, you. Like, Dan, this is like, <laughs> you are the reason <laughs> for all of this. Yeah. <laughs> do you realize what you have done to me? Like, <laughs> honestly. I prefer your delivery of that over Craig Sheffer's brain. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I will accept my Emmy nomination. <laughs> Bree Leach will play the role of uh, Keith Scott in the One Tree Hill reboot. <laughs> to, uh, to my Brock Davis. And I whoever, I'm ready. Whoever Caitlin plays. <laughs> whoever Caitlin plays. Who would I play, honestly? We talked about this before, and I feel like we went all over the place. I think I said you should play Dan, because I think it would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'd be the worst, Dan. The you're like, worst. You're like, I gotta be evil. I want to yeah. see, see Caitlin playing Deb. <laughs> now that could be funny, I will admit. That would be a, I think you'd be a good Karen, too. I know. I probably would be the best Karen, actually. Like, I'm just imagining you, like, you know, if uh, I'm thinking about the scene with, with Zeb and Karen, like, up on the billboard. And uh, losing the ladder. Yeah. I imagine you reacted just like Karen. I am not taking my shirt off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> shall we move on to talking about uh, other Keith-related things? What's some happier news? Uh, Karen and Keith announced to 
Lucas and Haley that they are engaged. Yeah, I know. It was so Yay. cute. I loved Haley's reaction. Mm. She's just like, what? <laughs> That's so awesome. It brings me so much joy. I'm like, oh, there's so much happiness here. So good. I know. I'm yeah. glad Haley was in that scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she was in Lucas's bed and... It looks like she was in there first. Unless, like, maybe Karen let her in. Like, I imagine, like, you know, they probably have, like, a brother-sister dynamic where she was probably like, oh, hey, Karen, how's it going? Like, I'm here to see Lucas. And Karen's like, oh, you can hang out in his room while you wait for him. That's what I imagine, but... Well, but Lucas also has that, like, outside door to his room, too. So maybe Haley just let herself in. (laughs) I can see that happening. I I can see Lucas. Like, I feel like everyone has, like, a key to Lucas's room. (laughs) I know, right? I can see that. Could you imagine now having a door to your bedroom? My parents would never. (laughs) I don't think mine would either. (laughs) That would be great, though. Yeah, but it's... I've always thought that was funny, but I don't think that room was ever supposed to be a... It probably wasn't supposed to be a bedroom. It was probably like a back door and a converted into a bedroom. Yeah, because who actually has a door to their bedroom? Yeah, I don't know. My brother had a door to the garage from his bedroom. Yeah, like a master, like my parents' master bedroom has like a slider to the backyard, but like a regular bedroom, I feel like doesn't normally have an extra entrance. True. But yeah, my brother had a bedroom when we first moved into the house, the door to the garage was in his bedroom when my dad added on and added another bedroom. They removed the door from my brother's bedroom. <laughs> uh, no, and they 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 created a hallway, um, oh which I think God. was maybe like a little bit that they didn't trust my brother, and mostly that they just felt bad because like people were traipsing in and through my brother's bedroom all day long, like to go out to get the laundry, to go do, like, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That would annoy me, personally. Mm-hmm. Especially if I'm a teenager, like, being a teenager, too. Like, coming through, yeah. like, come on, <laughs> get out of here. Yeah, yeah, you want your space. Yeah. Anywho, um, another thing that happens in this storyline is uh, Keith tells Lucas that he wants to adopt him. I love how he says there's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. That really gives Lucas space. That's that's great, and that's very, very <laughs> interesting. However, in what world would Lucas ever say no? I know. I, I feel like this whole, this plot line right here is kind of unnecessary. And like, are they trying to establish something here? Because I feel like the, the big part of this episode, as, as we saw Keith tell Lucas when he's fixing the plumbing, he says, it's never too late to fix things. Are the writers trying to tell us that, like, there's still issues between Keith and Lucas from last season? And mm. this is Lucas's way of forgiving? Because I'm like, I, I bought that Lucas, that Lucas and uh, Keith, like, still love each other. And whatnot. So I don't really see a point of this story. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. My thought immediately was like, I also expected like Lucas is immediately going to say yes. And then yeah. I was like, but then I was like thinking about it and I was like, well, you have to like, has Dan relinquished his parental rights? Like, because I don't see Dan ever relinquishing his parental rights if he hasn't already. In which case, like, we know he didn't pay child support, but did he give up those rights? Because if he hasn't, I don't see him letting Keith 
adopt Lucas. I wasn't even thinking about. I, I don't. I don't know how the law works, honestly. But like, does like, does Dan have any legal standing over over Lucas at this point? I don't remember. I mean, if you're not paying child support, I don't know what legal standing you would have. I think you still have your parental rights until you sign them away. I don't know for sure. Like, if in those like conversations about the child support. I mean, well, I should maybe rephrase that. There might be like a time after so many years that maybe it's like I'm thinking about a friend whose spouse adopted her oldest daughter. And maybe you just have to like post it in the newspaper or something of like, Mm -hmm. this adoption is going to take place unless you claim your parental rights. Like Mm. if there's been like no contact for so long. Seems like they always knew where Dan was, though. It's not like he ran off somewhere and it was a mystery. You know, he's always been in Tree Hill, as as has Karen and Lucas. Dan just never really had an interest. So, yeah, that's where my mind went. (laughs) I guess we're just in this storyline. We're supposed to assume he has no rights, even though we don't really know for sure. But I guess that's the assumption here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like how he gave Lucas space just to say no um it's it's great but like is this an interesting story i don't think it is because i just don't feel like yeah i feel like we're supposed to think this is going to be a big conflict like will lucas say yes or will he say no and like there was never a moment like even watching this in real time where i ever thought he would say no i know and i think the audience always knows that like why would lucas ever say no but to me it's interesting because like that's a big thing to be adopted I don't think we, I don't think we should downplay that. That's that's a big deal, and it's also like if he takes on you know accepts Keith as a father, like it's what are the implications with Dan? Like I know Lucas and Dan don't have a good relationship, but like it is kind of a touchy thing still, personally. Also, Lucas is older. Lucas is almost of age where he wouldn't even need to be adopted. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Isn't adoption, like, really expensive? Like, what is the... Like, you're going to be 18 and, like, you, this is your senior year of high school. Presumably, Lucas will be 18 soon. So what is the point in adopting at this point? Yeah. I think it's symbolic at this yes. point. Yeah. Because I know... Like, I've definitely heard stories of people, like, adopting adults children like over 18 yeah oh so i think and i do think that at that point it's really just like symbolic of saying like we are acknowledging each other as family and there might be other implications in terms of like you know if a person was in the hospital then you're next of kin and like like there might be other things but i feel like it's mostly symbolic at that age (laughs) all right all right maybe i'll be too tough on this story on um (laughs) all right um I hear you both. I hear you both. <laughs> I think we you're being exactly point. tough enough, Jeremy. <laughs> What'd you say? Sto- I said, I think you're being exactly tough enough on this storyline. I don't know that it <laughs> really holds God. up. God, um, as far you. as, like, creating tension. Um, I mean, basically, you're right, Brie. Like, this story, and this is what I was thinking earlier, too. For Keith to say, there's no wrong answer is basically giving Lucas time to to think, quote-unquote, and then there's that big scene at the end when they're Mm -hmm. on the couch backstage. So, like, if Keith didn't give Lucas the time to, like, think about it, and I say that with air quotes, 
there wouldn't be this cute scene with the three of them and Lucas saying, Dad. You know what I mean? Like, it just built the tension. You're right. We need a cute scene with a Haley James Scott song playing in the background. Exactly. (laughs) That's what it was for. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. All right. I, I, I see I, I see you both and I and I hear you both and I get it. It's sweet. And then <laughs> I love what Lucas said. He was like, I would love to be your son, Keith. There's nothing else I'd want more. It's just like Aww. <laughs> it just gave me all the feels. It was so cute. And I, I'm trying to okay, I'm trying to give this a storyline a little bit more space, like the idea that Lucas gets to choose his family, I feel like, is really powerful mm-hmm. because you know he's he's lived his entire life like underneath like Dan's thrall, kind of like under Dan's shadow, and now the idea that like oh I get to choose my father now, I get to choose whether or not I, this person gets to adopt me, it's pretty cool for him. So all right, I'm coming around is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I really like it. I'm still not sure if it 100% works for me, but I am coming around, I think. Okay, okay. Bit by bit. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> On another note, uh, Brooke is going to make Karen's wedding dress, and I love that so much. Me too. Yes, I love that too. It just has to be uh, more than what Brooke is wearing on the poster, and no feathers. Why are people so anti-feather on the show? Like, it's kind of fucked up. I mean, I support both of those requirements. (laughs) You don't like feathers? (laughs) No, because they always fall off. Any, like, feather boa I have ever owned gets everywhere. It's almost as bad as glitter. No, that's fair. I haven't enough, had enough experiences with uh with feather with clothing with feathers on it as I move into like a more gender neutral um clothing expression. So I, I I'll get back to you on that. I mean, try try out feathers if you want, but I don't personally recommend them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, you can do it if you want. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back and like I'll be like, Caitlin, we gotta re-edit every episode where I defend the use of feathers because like I can't do it. I changed my mind entirely. <laughs> like, get a feather boa, you can test it out, and then you'll learn. Actually, I don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like confetti. You say that so definitively. You're like, you won't like it. I know you won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, are we ready to go to a concert? Yes. Yes. Let's do Where it. A shit ton of stuff happens. Um. Mm-hmm. So I gotta say, like, I love Peyton like organizing this because she sees the video of her and Jake, or she or she sees the video of Jake, I should say, like confessing on the time capsule, and she says, like, well, it just reminds me of how happy I was, and I want to be that happy again, and I just I love that Peyton is like really owning her space there in regard to that. Yeah, it's it's nice to see her. Like, there's more of a lightness about her. It's been so heavy for so long with Peyton. And, yeah, that was kind of like a breath of fresh air for me personally. Because she's like, you know, like, that was the past. We were in love. And now, like, I'm moving on. And I want life to be good, (laughs) basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was great to say. And I like when when she's on the stage... And she's commanded her presence. Although I gotta say, like, the thing that really always took me out of this episode, because 
Like I said, I watched it in real time, and all I kept thinking was, because I used to watch Hillary Burton on TRL back in the day, and all I kept thinking was, like, that's not Peyton Sawyer, that is Hillary Burton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because she's really pulling in her, her, like, her MTV VJ duties there. Like, I can see Peyton being confident up on stage and, like, making announcements and everything, but would she actually have that much of a presence on stage? I don't know if Peyton would, you know? Hillary, yes, but not Peyton. That's a good point. I watched so much MTV, but I don't remember her on MTV at all. Really? Yeah. yeah she was on she was on TRL, like for good like four years, I'd say. Like I must have watched her, but I just never like I can't remember watching her. Yeah, she was in there for several years, like before One Tree Hill. Mm-hmm. There was that whole episode on Dawson's Creek too. There was that like time where she was still doing both. So like I know Yeah. Like, I had to have watched her on MTV, but I don't remember it. Yeah, I remember her vividly because I even remember, because um, there was a point in time, as as you said, uh, where she was doing both shows. But obviously the filming schedule conflicted with MTV a lot. So, like, she was on TRL that much, but she was she did make appearances. And I remember there were a few episodes where, like, Hillary is back from the set of One Tree Hill. <laughs> it was really cool to say at that point. And I even remember, like, when One Tree Hill was announced, I'm like, oh, it's Hillary Burton from TRL. Like, I, I feel like I always liked Hillary Burton, like, even, like, on TRL, to be honest. Like, she wasn't my favorite host of TRL, but I did enjoy seeing her. So, like, when I saw that she was on One Tree Hill, I was like, there she is. She's on a <laughs> show. Good for her. <laughs> I don't think I really remember her from MTV either, to be honest. I really oh. would ha- have to think about that. But I'm the only person with vivid memories of her. Though. <laughs> I feel like I watched TRL, like, occasionally. Oh, no, I watched it every day. <laughs> yeah, I watched it every day, too. Like, when I got home from school, that was, like, my after-school show. <laughs> and if I, like, got home late, it was, like, crossing my fingers, like, hopefully I'll still see the top three. Hopefully I'll still see the top three. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember back in the day when you're like, oh, like, you know, I, I want to see the whole music video and like they never showed it. Never. <laughs> and I used to get so annoyed, like whenever they took uh, took videos into the audience. I'm like, hi, my name is Jeremy Rodriguez and I'm from New Jersey and I am so excited to see Britney Spears perform. Woo! And I'm like, I'm like, I don't care about you. I want to watch the Britney Spears video, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have been, like, more understanding for, like, the videos that they cut the time and didn't show the whole video at, like, the number 10, the number 8, etc. To, like, save time to at least be able to show the full video for, like, the number 1 video. And even then, that's not what they did. (laughs) Like. (laughs) You're bringing memories back about the (laughs) the videos being cut off. Yes. Oh my gosh, I was always mad about this too, I think. And then sometimes you wouldn't even see the video at all. It would be like, Britney Spears, I'm a slave for you. And like, it would be like number three and they wouldn't show the video whatsoever. And I'm like, no, this is, this is terrible. <laughs> the whole point is that we have requested this video. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember there was one point, like, probably like around like 05, 06, and if my memory is serving me correctly, but I remember you could actually vote if there was a video you wanted to see the entire video of. Oh, I don't remember that. No, no matter what slot it was in, you could see the whole video, but that was, that, you could only see one video, and I think it was like one video a week or something like that. <laughs> like, that oh just my. shows you. 
kids have no idea how easy it is to see music videos. <laughs> but, like, that was Truly. our only time that we could say it. <laughs> I remember how MTV gradually, like, faded out videos, music videos. Ugh. Like, just, I remember that. Like, gradual, like, they just were on less and less. <laughs> it was like, what is MTV anymore? Remember when it was music television? <laughs> Distant memory. <laughs> Yeah, I remember they would play, like, you could, like, watch videos, like, late at night. I remember being like, oh, music videos are on for four hours at, like, at 11 o'clock. Let me stay up and watch them. <laughs> Maybe I'll catch that Britney Spears video. I like, remember. I'm of Britney Spears. It must, here, it must but... have started later than 11, Jeremy, because I think that Undressed was on at 11. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw Undressed. I don't think my parents would have let me watch it. Oh, my parents definitely wouldn't have let me watch it, but I had it my own TV. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> MTV, like, oh, I miss all those shows. Mm-hmm. I even vaguely remember mm-hmm. watching videos before school. Like, I think they had them on in the morning, too. They were, they were. Like, as were I was correct. getting ready, I remember having them on the TV. <laughs> they were so good. So good. Uh, well, that, that was a nostalgia but I loved it. <laughs> Thank you for taking us there, Jeremy, with your <laughs> your TRL shout out. <laughs> You're so welcome. Um Jeremy, but- do you have another shout out? <laughs> in this episode that we have not talked about yet um, you mean name brand orange soda watch <laughs> yes we have to talk about it i definitely had it in my notes i was like this and, and maybe i'm behind on listening to your episode so maybe you've talked about this you've probably <laughs> talked about this but like is it just product placement or like was there some sort of partnership like do we know more about why it's so <laughs> egregious yes yeah, sponsored them and partnered with them for i want to say it may have went into season four but it was definitely all of season three because okay. there are so many episodes did i, did I say the brand and did you i did. say the brand name <gasps> <laughs> that'll be <Okay>. bleeped out <laughs> I gotta, I gotta censor that because this brand is not giving us money. Fuck. <laughs> they partnered with One Tree Hill. They have not partnered yet with Always and Forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. But yes, they had a yeah, they had a partnership. Um, they also sponsored like a like a lot of events. Like I want to say there were probably a few live performances here and there, like not on the show but in real life that were sponsored by the brands. Okay. And the cast has talked about going to insert name brand orange soda here events got it okay it is everywhere in this episode yeah (laughs) everywhere soda cans vending machines (laughs) t-shirts posters i consider this episode name brand orange soda the musical (laughs) this is the closest we'll get to a musical episode of one tree hill (laughs) it just it just is does anybody agree or disagree It is overkill, honestly. Wow. <laughs> I My notes were like, <laughs> usually I try to put a little tally. Diet. So I usually put name brand orange soda in my notes, and I put a little tally mark each time I see it. <laughs> this one, I couldn't even keep track. I just said everywhere. I did not try whatsoever. <laughs> it's on Peyton's t-shirt. It's No, it's literally fucking everywhere. That's what I'm like, I'm... 
Like, do, do I need to say it? It's very obvious. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Uh, but once you had that money, unlike Veronica Mars, which uh, had skissed throughout all of its run. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Anyhow, we had some amazing performances by uh, Jack's Mannequin. They yes. perform mixtape. And this is a re- I really like this montage because we see we see Jimmy having fun before you know shit hits the fan. Um, Karen and Keith are kissing. We see Brooks tell uh, Peyton like you know you did great, Peyton. Both of your moms will be proud of you. And it was just so so sweet. Mm-hmm. I really love this song. So I had this album. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's the happiest like song as far as like the other scenes they get paired with that performance. You're absolutely right. I really loved it. It just like had such an energy to it. And like you said, paired with all the happy moments. It was really great. Mm-hmm. And then we see Fallout Boy perform a little less 16 candles, a little more touch me. Such a interesting title, <laughs> but that's what Fallout Boy does. <laughs> yes. That is what Fallout Boy does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh prior to this, we see Pete Wentz, uh kind of flirt with Peyton. I mean, if you ask Brooke, it was definite flirting. You could see it from across the room. Uh, <laughs> was it? <laughs> I'm like, how close were you actually standing, Brooke? <laughs> I mean, other than, you know, Pete saying like, well, it's a great cause and I get to see you again. I'm like, yeah, that's flirty, I guess. But yeah, it's not a huge deal. I mean, it's, I guess, a little creepy because he's older than her, but which is something the show does not acknowledge and never will. <laughs> yeah, I definitely looked up the age difference. And at least like Pete and Hillary, it's a three year difference. Yeah. And so I was like, if we assume that Pete and Peyton are the same age difference, like it's not a terrible age difference, but there is also like power dynamics of like, yeah. you are in a famous band at this point. She is a high school senior. Like, the age itself is not really the issue for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine myself being a 20-year-old and wanting to date someone in high school. But if you, like, started dating when you were, like, a senior and the other person was, like, a sophomore. And, like, depending on when your birthdays were or whatever. Like, it's not a terrible age difference mm-hmm. but there are other things that make it uncomfortable so how old would pete have been like in real life when he was filming this i meant to look into that too what was that um i didn't look at like the t- the exact age of when they were filming but in terms of okay. age with hillary they're three years apart he was born i want to say in he was probably like 26 nine and i want to say she's 82 he, he would have been like 27 if like if we're going by if we're assuming the Pete Wentz that exists in this universe is the same oh. Pete Wentz that exists in our universe, got it? Yeah, which is then a much larger age difference. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's it's gross, and I know like the the drama queens have talked about this. They didn't think it was weird at the time because they were thinking they were thinking like, oh, we're also in our twenties and he's in their twenties. Like it's not weird, but if you think about it within right. the narrative, yeah, it's kind of weird. It is. So, like, where are they going with this? Like, he's, they're seeing each other again because they did the previous concert for the Halloween episode, the Masquerade episode, earlier in the season, and that's when Fall Out Boy played. Yeah. So, like, 
we know that they know each other and they're on the benefit album itself fallout boy is mm-hmm. so it's like what are they trying to do here with this scene i don't know i guess we shall find out <laughs> listeners um jeremy just did a shrugging emoji um <laughs> movement <laughs> It was more like a scale where I was like, you know, weighing my hands up and down. True, true. <laughs> Dancing emoji. Yes. On this visual medium. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Gotta love it. We also get a bunch of other performances in this concert episode. Yes. What's another one, Caitlin? Oh, I guess we, yeah, we already said Fall Out Boy because we, we were just talking about that, but also Haley James Scott. Yes, not Bethany Troy Lenz, but Haley James Scott, because if you look at the album, she is credited as Haley James Scott, which I was always fascinated by. <laughs> yeah, on the song Halo, yeah. Mrs. Scott. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Let's talk about some of the conversations that uh, Nathan and Haley have together, though. I really like the, the two of them have a very honest communication, which is like, a huge, huge step from the previous season for sure yeah i mean i know i already said it but just the maturity that i saw in this episode just felt like such a huge step even from like earlier in season three episodes and i understand like Haley's concern that she's like she's afraid to love music again because she doesn't want to lose nathan and i think that is a really like relatable moment because her love of music was ultimately what tore them apart. And I think it's understandable that she would feel like this could happen again. But I love how Nathan reass- reassures her that basically that they're stronger now than they were before. And he's not going to let that happen. And that she can still love music. And that he wants to see her perform. And he really encourages her to get on stage. Mm-hmm. So I think you're totally right, Bray. Like the maturity and the... In- both sides, I think, really shines through in this episode. Yeah, we even say there was another uh, stage manager that was talking to Nathan and said, it's a shame she's not touring. She must really love you. And I I feel like if this was happening in season two, this would have made Nathan insecure. But as both of you were saying, Nathan has matured. And I feel like he realized that feelings aren't always facts here. And that's what, I guess, inspires him to talk to Haley and that's what both of them say like okay like we love each other the rest we can figure out later yeah and that's great i just love seeing the growth between these two characters it's very great to see yeah i love i just love their moments in this episode so much i think what one tree hill does a really good job with Nailey's relationship and nathan specifically too i feel like they have really shown how this character how nathan's character has evolved and also how their relationship has evolved too and it's like a natural progression and i don't know if i can necessarily think of another example i'm i'm sure i could in another tv show but i feel like it's just really unique to this relationship and to nathan's character like there's such a big change from the beginning of the series with nathan till now and even from season two, Nathan, till now, he's just like a totally different person. Yeah. And I love how they write it, and I love how they show that progression. It feels really real to me. I think that's Mm -hmm. why 
there are so many Nailey fans. Like, who doesn't love Nathan and Haley? I mean, like, how can you not love them? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a big reason why is because there's something uh, relatable about that. Yeah. And it's it's really funny because I feel like because when this storyline happens, like when it opened the beginning where Nathan's uh, confession was unleashed, there was never a moment where I thought like, oh, like Nathan and Haley are in danger. Even though you think the, the writer kind of wants you to think that. But I don't know, for some reason, I feel like that works for me in this episode, unlike the whole Keith adopted Lucas thing, because I feel like this just shows like the progression of their relationship. Yeah. And that's why this storyline works for me, even though I didn't see a threat yeah. for their relationship. It was great to see that they have grown. I know, I love it so much. We stand. All right, um... I don't know how to transition into this next topic, but... Um, Things that I don't like to see very much. (laughs) If that's where you're going. Great, great, great. Thanks, Bree. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Jimmy goes to the the concert and... I do love that part. I, I feel like we didn't touch on the fact that earlier in the episode, Lucas and Mouth, they are trying to contact Jimmy. Like, over and over again, they called him and left a lot of messages, apparently. And finally, Jimmy meets yeah. up with them and hears them out. And they, they want to make amends. Jimmy's still resistant. But they're like, hey, let's meet up tonight at the benefit concert and, like, catch up. Yeah, I really admired that. Yeah. I think it that whole scene was really realistic, too. Because it's natural for people to to, like, lose touch. Especially in high school, like, friendships are weird, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that was really realistic. Like, Lucas had a new crowd that he was, like, friends with now. And Mouth, kind of the same thing. And they didn't really do it purposely, like, leaving Jimmy behind. But it's been, like, a year since they've talked to him and, you know, hung out. And I, th- I think the yeah. scene was well done because, like... They wanted to apologize, but it's like, Lucas made the point, like, it goes both ways. Like, you didn't reach out either. Yeah. But, Which I feel I... like Jimmy took that as, like, gaslighting, but... Yeah, I think he did. I get that, but I feel like it's also the truth. Like, I feel I feel kind of two ways about it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you were about to say something, Bray. Oh, I, I mean, very similar. Like, I just, I love that... Lucas does point out like that it goes both ways and I can see where Jimmy's like, yeah, that doesn't really fix things. But then I was thinking about like mouth held like co-announcer like tryouts or whatever it was. And like we know from our from our previously on tiny clip that like that used to be (laughs) Jimmy. Yeah. But like there had to have been a reason that like that relationship also went away. Like Jimmy could have potentially come with mouth in that journey so like what happened that we didn't see that like that announcing like relationship even severed and then i just feel like the conversation in general would be real like it it would be hard as an adult and i can only imagine how much harder it would be to like have this conversation and to reach out like as a teenager Mm -hmm. yeah not something you said just made me think about this uh yeah, like, Jimmy was also Mouth's uh, co-announcer, so how come when Mouth had tryouts earlier in the season, like, why did he audition anybody? Like, why did he think to bring Jimmy in? Right. You could think that, but also, is th- like, 
is there a reason? Like, like, like they drifted apart. That they had to have drifted apart for a reason, right? Well, and like they were open auditions or tryouts or whatever too. Like, I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. Gigi was Mouth's first choice. <laughs> I no, think that right, Gigi right, yeah. was the only choice. <laughs> Yeah. Um, why didn't yeah, why didn't Jimmy try out? Which Grant said, like, you don't know what's going on with him. Like right. like he obviously has like real bad like mental health issues right now. He's depressed, he feels abandoned, so he's obviously in his own head. Right. And to illustrate that a little bit, actually, um, when he goes backstage with Mouth and Mouth says, like, hey, I'm gonna go talk to Brooke for a second. Are you are you okay being alone? And then Jimmy's like, Yeah, yeah, sure, go. And then after Mouth walks away, he says, I'm sure you'll introduce me later. And he's like so in his own head, not realizing the fact that like Mouth needed to be alone with Brooke in that moment. There was a specific reason. Because, you know, he needed to talk about everything that happened with the time capsule. But Jimmy is so focused on I don't want to say, say like, so focused on himself. That makes, that, that kind of has a bad connotation, but he's really in his head. Yeah. I agree. And he, he he's not able to discern the truth from um what's in his mind right now. That, like, inner anxious voice or whatever it is that, like, sometimes just is louder than, like, your rational voice that you know. Like, I know this thing to be true, but it also doesn't feel true. Exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, who hasn't been there where you thought, like, oh, my f- my friends hate me. Like, I feel like we've all been there at some point, and mm-hmm. then you talk yourself down. Especially, like, you, you get older and you realize, like, wait a minute, that's not true. What evidence do I have to support this claim? And Jimmy doesn't have that level of emotional intelligence quite yet. Yeah. And one other thing I want to point out, I think you can drift from people and there doesn't have to be a big reason why and i think especially in high school and one example i could give just thinking about how jeremy our high school worked where we had semesters so let's say you're friends with someone in one class and then that the classes change and you don't see that person every day anymore Mm -hmm. so like the friendship that you maybe were forming has faded because you don't see them and, you know, friendships as teenagers especially, it's all about who you are around. Yeah. So there there may not have been a big reason. It could have just been they didn't really connect anymore. Just sometimes people don't have anything to really talk about or don't have anything in common or just you don't click anymore. It's really weird to think about that. So just it's it just making me just like what you said, Caitlin, like we had semesters. Like, have you ever like uh, had a class with somebody like your first semester of freshman year and you're like that you feel like your best friends and then you see them in the hallway your last semester of senior year and then you just don't talk to them. You see them in the hallway. It's like you don't know each other. Yeah, like, it's weird. That's weird. If you think about it, like I feel like now in like my 20s, like I would never do something like that now. <laughs> I'm not even in my 20s. Why did I say that? (laughs) We are keeping that in. We are keeping that in. (laughs) Damn. Okay. Sorry. I I think that still does happen, though. Like, if I think it just feels different because they're like, I think that it, like, I can, like, think of people that I saw, like, at my college graduation where I'm like, oh, I remember, like, Heading it off, like, at freshman orientation and, like, thought I was going to be friends with this person for the next four years. And and now I'm, like, seeing you four years later and it's, like, have we talked since freshman year? Or even then, like, True. with work, it's, like, 
I love my coworkers and I'm still friends with some of them that have moved on. But there are also other ones that like, I saw someone like at the grocery store that used to work with me like four years ago. And maybe she didn't recognize me because we both had masks on. And it was like, outside of the context of how like, we used to see each other, but it was like, we both just walked by each other. And maybe she recognized me and did the exact same thing I did of like, well, maybe she doesn't remember. I'm just not going to say anything. This is really uncomfortable. Like, <clears throat> whereas like when we worked together, it was like, talked every day. Right. Okay. Yeah. You're right. That does make sense. I yeah. feel like I'm so uh, in my, I'm so in my bubble, like in my twenties, we're just going to go with that now. <laughs> um, where, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm working, I'm working from home. So like, I'm in this, I'm in this like little bubble where I, where I feel like, oh, I, I would ignore somebody in the hallway. But then, then again, it's like, it, it, I, I see somebody's post on Instagram. I don't necessarily like that or comment on it. If I, if I see them like talk about like, oh, like my, you know, my parent died, I'm not necessarily giving condolences to like every single person. So you know what? Yeah, you're right. Like people are weird. That's what we're coming down to. Not just teenagers, people in general are weird. Yeah. Yes. Relationships are complicated. I just think, you know, as teenagers, it's even more difficult to, I mean, it's difficult to navigate it as a, an adult, but like, especially like mm-hmm. these situations, they might not have a huge explanation. So, I mean, there could be an explanation. We don't have one yet. <laughs> and, and I'm just like wondering, like, I'm just trying to think deeper now. Like, what would be something you could do to like, it's like initiate change. Say you don't have like these like weird friendships that like drift apart. Like, yeah, you don't necessarily have to be in contact with like every single person you've ever met ever. But like, how do you like reassure people that you're you're not ousting them? You're just you just lost touch. But then again, I guess is that your responsibility to do that? Right. I think it's both people, right? Like if you if you both are of the mind that like you don't want to lose touch. You both have to make the effort. Like, again, coming back to, like, a coworker example, it's, like, one of my coworkers left last year, and, like, we have both made it a point to, like, schedule monthly, like, virtual happy hours with each other oh, because cool. she moved, like, back to the East Coast. And it's not like we can, like, see each other around town or, like, other, like, local events. It's, like, we have to both make the effort. Yeah, I th- I think it really does go both ways, and that's what can be rare about. That's what makes a good friend a good friend, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're on the same page, and you're both equally making the effort. And I can think about a lot of, like, friendships through the years or whatever, where it was just was not, whether it was me or it was them, you know, it just didn't, like, it faded over time. So, it's sad. Um, this whole situation is sad because you can feel the hurt that Jimmy's feeling and Lucas and Mouth up until this point really were not aware of that clearly. And maybe I can, we can assume that, you know, ever since Lucas started the basketball team and Mouth started to do like, you know, live streaming the basketball games like officially Maybe that's what brought them away from the river court where they always used to hang out. So maybe Jimmy just stopped going to the river court and just kind of disappeared. That's the best yeah. explanation that I can kind of come up with in my head. Yeah, for sure. And in which case, like, I feel like, you know, I don't want to put so much onus on Jimmy, but I feel like when you, you know, when you need help and you're saying like, hey, I miss you, I feel like you should communicate that because 
just need to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back to the benefit concert, we're backstage, and there's a girl that starts to talk to Jimmy and ask him if he can get her backstage to, I guess, see the the musicians. Obviously, Jimmy doesn't have those connections, but there's another kid who sees that interaction. He's like, don't talk to that kid. He, I can't even remember exactly what was said, but basically... He's like, that's the guy who's talk smack about me yeah, on the time yeah. capsule or something. So then that kid proceeds to push, punch, shove Jimmy... And then it turns in this whole big thing where Rachel actually steps in, pepper sprays the guy, and Lucas is also punching someone, and it, Jimmy's glasses, he loses them, and they break. And it's just like a really terrible scene of bullying. Because even though Jimmy said those things, like, obviously he does not deserve this. It's really sad to see. But I'm, I'm glad that Rachel and Lucas did step in so that Jimmy could get out of there. Even though Rachel says later that she didn't do it to protect Jimmy, she did it because she always wanted to pepper spray someone. I think that is her way of trying to be cool. I don't believe that. Uh, Okay. I feel like Rachel says stuff for, like, to get a reaction. For street cred. Mm -hmm. I can see that. But at the same time, like, I feel like you should have some type of some type of self-awareness like maybe that wasn't the best thing to say in that moment, she needs to be Rachel. empathetic that's for sure yeah yeah i i wrote in my notes i wish that she wasn't so herself about it <laughs> 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 because i i agree with both of you i think that she really does care and she's like trying to like be this cool aloof like popular person but she needs like more self-awareness of like when when to be more sincere and more obvious about that sincerity like jimmy's not gonna pick up on like the sarcasm or the joke of like no i just i just wanted to use the pepper spray like yeah i think jimmy needed to hear like yeah i'm so sorry that happened to you and like i couldn't just stand by I'm going to be honest, I think that's what Rachel feels. I don't think she's heartless, mm-hmm. <laughs> as she appears yeah. to be a lot of the times. Yeah, well, wow. Th- that's that's a great point that you like, I wasn't even thinking that, but like, yeah, that, that does fit Rachel's MO. Like, she's not, like, she's a pretty terrible person sometimes, but she does have a heart. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't imagine she would stand in the background and watch someone get beat up and not do anything. Yeah. So, like, why did the writers include that? Like, why couldn't we have gotten a scene where Rachel said exactly what you said, Bray? Like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I mean, we, we never see, we don't see Jimmy for the rest of the episode. I feel like this is just sort of uh, the catalyst to get Jimmy to leave entirely. And we're kind of left wondering, like, what is going to happen next with him? Right. Like, the last we hear is Mouth, like, saying he's going to go find him. I know, so then we have to wait till the coda. We'll get back to that. Are we ready to dive in? Um, we can, well, there's one, thing, there's one other thing I want to mention, too. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy always has something more to Rachel. say. <laughs> yeah. I'm always scared <laughs> to move to sh- on and transition. <laughs> I don't know how to shut the fuck up, long story short. Um, <laughs> what about Rachel's conversation with Mouth, though? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel, and I feel like uh, that's kind of something we were talking about earlier, the three of us, where Rachel's like, "Hey, if you're being honest with yourself, there's a reason why you don't hang out with Jimmy anymore." I think Mouth needed to hear it, mm-hmm. and I think, and again, I think that like Rachel and Mouth have like developed a friendship at this point that she can be that like, here's some blunt honesty, like I don't need to be kind not kind but like i don't need to be like careful of your feelings i can just kind of tell you like how i see it and mouth can accept that because they've like they've had time jimmy hasn't had that time with rachel but i do think that like last part of like i wish that the time capsule had never been released and then her just being like well the truth hurts i think you're right like rachel has a way about her she's like a truth teller a lot of the times And um, she says what, while I don't always agree with everything she says, she has a way of like putting it into perspective and getting you to consider something like this is reality. Like, consider this, you know, like maybe you don't want to be friends with this person. Maybe there's a, a reason why you're not friends with them or that your friendship faded. And I think Math did have to hear that because Math is feeling really guilty. Like, he's feeling, you can tell. And maybe maybe it's okay to feel some guilt, but, like, I think Rachel did kind of put that in perspective a little bit, which was helpful. Even though it might be hard to hear, but usually the truth is. For sure. Uh, well, I'm ready to talk about the code. <laughs> okay. I was going to pause else. until you said something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kayla. <laughs> Yeah, so the song is Dark Blue by Jack's Mannequin, and I'm just going to do rapid fire, like, everything that happened. So, Whitey delivers a voiceover over his new video, and during this voiceover, Dan burns a ledger. Now finds Jimmy's broken glasses. We see Jack's Mannequin perform. Haley receives applause from the audience, and Nathan. Nathan is there, too. That is important to note. The band say a bow. Whitey smiles. Roll credits. That was really rapid fire. I love Whitey's <laughs> quote. <laughs> I love it so yes. much. <laughs> Me Which, too. Do you want to do a dramatic reading of it? Unless Brie wants to. Um, you can do it, Caitlin. <laughs> so Jeremy always says dramatic reading, and it's like, oh god, I have to act this out like I'm whitey. Yes, I don't know gotta, how I can possibly. You gotta sound like a sixty-year-old white man, okay? <laughs> like just, just make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Who's also southern? <laughs> oh gosh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'll try to fit the tone as best I can. So Whitey's looking at his time capsule video that he left a few months ago, I guess, when all the other kids left theirs. So this is his, like, more current video. It's been 50 years, 50 long years since I've done this. Looking back on what I said all those years ago, all the hopes and dreams I had, I've come to the conclusion that if having things turn out the way you wanted them to is a measure of a successful life, then some would say, I'm a failure. The important thing is not to be bitter over life's disappointments. Learn to let go of the past and recognize that every day won't be sunny. And when you find yourself lost in the darkness and despair, remember that it's only in the black of night that you see the stars, and those stars will lead you back home. So don't be afraid to make mistakes, to stumble and fall, because most of the time, 
The greatest rewards come from the things that scare you the most. Maybe you'll get everything you wish for. Maybe you'll get more than you ever could have imagined. Who knows where life will take you? The road is long, and in the end, the journey is the destination. This is one of the best voiceovers. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> was that was that pretty good? Great job. So you'll be playing the role of Whitey. In <laughs> I tried to read it slow because that's how he read it or said it. <laughs> yeah, I really like this quote because I feel like it really uh, it really sums up what this what this episode is all about. Like you know, even something that you said like 50 years ago, it may not be truth now. Or, you know, you've heard about any of these characters that you said several months ago, it may not hold true. And I identify with that because some of the stuff I record on this podcast, like I'll I'll <laughs> edit it like weeks after we record. And I'll be like, I don't even think that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know you said that before. And I'm like, what do you drastically change your opinion about? How do you feel about Brucus these days? Jeremy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> My opinion is evolving. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite ready to talk about that quite yet. (laughs) But oh, we will. (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah, I I like what Whitey says about, like, all the hopes and dreams you've had. If you're using that to measure how successful you were, you're, you're not a failure if you don't achieve those things. You know, like you evolve as a person and your hopes and your dreams change. They morph. Like what you wanted five years ago is not what you want now. What you wanted <laughs> two weeks ago might not even be what you want now. So it, mm-hmm. you can't really measure that as a success. I think you have to have a different view, like a wider view of what what you've done in your life. And I think a lot about this episode, I mean, Whitey says, learn to let go of the past and recognize that every day won't be sunny. I feel like a lot of the characters are grappling with that now, like especially with Keith. Dan's not realizing that, that's for sure. But like Keith is trying to move on and let go of things. And there's just, there's so many connections. It like perfectly encapsulate this this episode. And I love how it ends as like a hopeful message. Like the road is long and in the end, the journey is the destination. I think that's pretty powerful because it's true. It's like the journey of life, you know, learning things as you go and, that's ultimately what the goal is. It's not like getting to one thing and saying, oh, I succeeded. Oh, I ended up here at this one place. Like the journey's evolving and it's ever changing. And I'm rambling. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's very uh, I Miley love your ramble. says the climb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, we love the ramble. Yeah, it's very Miley Cyrus is the climb, I think. What's What song? The Climb by Miley Cyrus. It's all um, about the climb. <laughs> yeah but it's all about the climb you don't know the song K- caitlin you don't know the song <laughs> I don't, maybe i do i don't know there's always gonna be another mountain oh I'm always gonna yes i know that song i'm bad with song titles i'm bad with song titles you gotta sing it <laughs> sometimes you have to lose <laughs> yes sometimes, always gonna be an uphill battle sometimes you're gonna have to lose ain't about how fast i get there okay i'm not gonna do the whole song <laughs> But yeah, you get the point. So yeah, this uh this episode predated uh the climb. So I'm just I just gotta say, like, Whitey was before his time. He was a poet, and Barry Corbin deserves more work on this show. Take a drink. <laughs> yes. The journey is the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it just gives me such the warm fuzzies. Like this whole scene. 
And I feel like I forget about this ending voiceover for some reason. And then whenever I rewatch this, I'm like, oh, this! why do I forget this? Like, this is amazing. And it's like just rediscovering it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like every every time when the camera pans up and shows like him on the video, I always get shells. It's like, oh, he's re-recorded a video. <laughs> I find that I'm always like shocked. Like as many times as I've seen this episode, I'm like, oh my God, it's him. Shall we talk about some of our top favorite moments? That was my favorite quote. Same. <laughs> so easy transition for me. Bray, what was your favorite quote? Um, well, I had like two that I had narrowed it down to, and then I was like, well, depending on what Jeremy and Caitlin go with, maybe I'll go with a different one. But I still have to like really give it to this one. Specifically the line of like, when you find yourself lost in the darkness and despair, remember that it's only in the black of night that you see the stars. I just love that part, and it also reminds mm, me beautiful. of a song in the Lion King musical, Endless Night. Um, and so, the song's called Endless Night. It's one of Simba's songs. Oh, okay. And the, like, one of the, one of the chorus lines is, like, the sun will rise and the night will end. And I feel like that is a little bit of, like, what Whitey is getting at here, of, like, not every day is going to be sunny, but the road is long and like you're going to stumble and fall, but there's going to be rewards and like it's not all one thing. And it's never going to stay at that one thing. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's nighttime, there's darkness, but there's still hope. Like mm-hmm. the stars kind of represent that. The light at the end of the tunnel type thing. It's a very hopeful message. It really is. Mm-hmm. That it is. So what about your favorite musical moment? Do we all have the same one? <laughs> I actually don't have one written down. So <laughs> Jeremy didn't like any of the music in this episode. <laughs> I hated all of it. Yes. No. No, I loved you? all of it. And th- that's where I'm like, I want to hear what the two of you say. And depending on what you say, I'll try to <laughs> maybe spotlight something else. <laughs> I can go first. Um, I also did have a hard time picking one because there are so many good musical moments in this episode. But especially since I have not gotten to talk about Haley yet, I had to go with Haley because I haven't gotten to like talk about her singing and it was very exciting. Yeah. Um, but I also just think like some of the other moments that happen during her song are also really nice. So, yeah. Going with Mrs. Haley James Scott singing Halo. Yeah, there's a lot of great <laughs> musical moments. It's a great moment. Yeah, that, that was about, like, I had this uh, episode recorded on VHS and I would always, like, rewind Haley's song because this, you know, th- before I got access to the CD, this is the only place where I could hear the song. Right. You know, yeah. You kids are lucky who <laughs> have access to streaming and shit. But yeah, I used to rewind this song over and over again. And it's not even the whole song. <laughs> And she's singing this song live and with confidence after talking to Nathan. And it's just like, it's a good moment overall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My favorite is the coda dark blue by Jack's mannequin, because I just, I loved it. There's like happy scenes at the end um, with the people in the crowd. And then paired with the whole whitey voiceover. It just was like perfect to me. Yeah, for sure. Jeremy. (sighs) <sighs> you're not prepared 
Yeah, well, I, you know, both of those were choices I had where I was like, mm, I really like it because I, I do love the coda because, I mean, I love this song. Like I said earlier, this Jack's Mannequin album, I love this album. This is a great fucking album, everybody. And it's really surprising for me. This isn't usually the type of music I personally listen to, but I devoured this album back in my teen years. Um, You know what? I'm going to go with my gut instinct. I am going to say the mixtape. By Jack's Mannequin, because there was, like, a lot of, like... I love that one, too. Th- that was, like, a... F- there were a lot of fun moments in that scene, mm-hmm. I think. I'm really glad you chose that one, because I loved that one. <laughs> like so good. It's just so happy. It mm. is. I know, it's a great one, too. That's probably my runner-up. So, even though this is the second time this song has appeared on oh, the show... Really? Uh-huh. It appeared during a basketball game as well. It's like earlier this season. And similar thing, they play the entire song. <laughs> so they, they must have had some type of deal with Jack's mannequin. Like, hey, we'll feature your song. <laughs> yeah, maybe they did with the whole album and everything. They had deals with yeah, certain maybe. artists. I was listening to a podcast maybe like a month or so ago. Actually, I don't know what time it is. For all I know, it was like three months ago. Um <laughs> It was definitely this year. I can tell you that much. Um, (laughs) But they were, it's a podcast that specifically looks at music in like movies and television. And one of the things they were talking about in that episode is that sometimes the like network will have a deal, like because they have a music branch as well, that like they will feature their own musicians. So I don't know who CW is affiliated with in terms of like record labels, but maybe Jack's mannequin was on that record label. And so it was like, we know that Mm -hmm. when we spotlight our own artists, that they're going to get music sales. And so like, ultimately it's like a win-win situation for everyone or at least for, you know, capitalism, but like, (laughs) 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 Um, it's back to capitalism. But that was my thinking, like, because even as I was listening to that episode, they didn't mention One Tree Hill, but I was like, oh, I bet One Tree Hill was also doing this because so many musicians came out of One Tree Hill. I wouldn't be surprised if that was, like, part of what was happening. Okay. That makes sense. I'm looking up where the, like, this album, Everything Transit, like, who produced it. The studio was NRG Sound City. It's in Los Angeles. Hmm. I don't know. That's something we'll have to look into later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Warner Brothers did have their own record label, I believe, at one point. And that's what I was trying to check to see if it was from them. But I'm not sure. Interesting. But yes, I love Jack's Mannequin. (laughs) Give them all the airplay in the world, even though they don't exist as Jack's Mannequin anymore. Sadly. But Andrew McMahon, or is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, McMahon, yeah. Is still producing music on on yes i sadly have not coming up with his discography (laughs) but (laughs) maybe i should (laughs) oh god i really hope i don't learn something that he's like very problematic or some shit that'll that'll make me really sad (laughs) oh gosh you would think about that (laughs) i always think about that i'm like oh god am i standing this person too hard i don't want so (laughs) 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 all right um What's everybody's score for this episode? I'm going to go with four out of five time capsules that shouldn't have been opened. Mm, Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I really love this episode. I think it has a lot of good elements to it. 
and the the Jimmy storyline is intriguing. The whole time capsule release is intriguing um, to begin with. So yeah, I overall, I really love it. What's stopping you from giving it a five? I don't know. I feel like fives, and I've said this before, like I just have that that gut feeling. Absolutely love it. I guess I, I guess I just critic. don't have that <laughs> gut feeling. Could you imagine writing a review like, oh, like you know, I just don't, don't have a gut feeling to give it a five. <laughs> guess what? This is our podcast, and I'm doing things my way. I don't have a specific reason, really. You know what? You know what? I love that for you. <laughs> Free. What is your score? Um, I gave it four out of five bouquets of purple flowers. Aww. So for me, like, I love this episode. I think, like, I love that. Even though, like, I hate it for the characters, I love that, like, full circle moment from, like, the payoff of season two and it coming back around. I I think that it's just a really excellent episode. And I think the only reason for me, like, not giving it five out of five is, like, because I can think of other episodes that I would give five to in this season. And so that's the only way, like, that's the only reason where I'm, like, well, I don't know that these are at the same level, so I guess I have to like drop it down a little bit. If I could give partial partial numbers and not just whole numbers, it would be different, but I know that I'm not allowed to. Well, you can't blame <laughs> me for that one because Nope. That's God. it's all Jeremy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Well, for me, if anybody cares about mine, I mean, right now. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I would so before I before I sat down to watch this episode for the pod, I was saying like this is a five out of five. It's such a great episode. But then when I watched it, I really started to dissect it, like some of the issues I had. Like even though I saw what the two of you were saying about the whole Keith and adopted Lucas, then there's still like something's just feel weird to me and feel out of touch and there's and this episode's relationship with titties is really weird <laughs> so i feel like for that reason i give it four out of five burned ledgers oh that's good the burned ledger itself five out of five though <laughs> <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> five out of five to the burned ledger scene in general like finally we don't have to fucking hear about this anymore <laughs> see ya burn ledger yes but I would give a five out of five for this discussion. So for this episode of the podcast, I'd say five out of five full circle moments. Yes. Yay. <laughs> because it was great having you, Bray. And uh, full disclosure, listeners, we are recording this the day after Dan Scott uh, rejoined Twitter. So uh, <laughs> we don't really know like what the landscape will look like by the time this episode airs. Um, but... Brie, as of now, where can people find you? As of right now, you can find me as a person on Instagram and Twitter at Bleach226. And you can find my podcast, A Simple Alias, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Simple Alias Cast. When you hear this episode, either Twitter will exist or it won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> time Very will true. tell. Very, very true. <laughs> this will be a good relic of the past, and I'm here for it. This is our time capsule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> What's going to happen when our time capsule gets released? <laughs> Oh, 
Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So... This episode sets a lot of shit in motion, long story short. Yeah, where do we begin? Um, Can we begin with something that's, like, not super sad? Sure. Sure. Peyton and Pete? Yeah, we can totally talk <laughs> yes, about this. Definitely. I mean, <laughs> we've talked about the age issues, but that was definitely, like, something that I was thinking about watching this episode was their, their brief sort of situationship (laughs) yeah situationship is one way to put it they date for a total of three episodes (laughs) knock out and knock out the next one so yeah like they she officially she goes into his limo in episode 17 episode 18 we actually see pete they're in the cabin together and then episode 19 is when you know you she gets phone calls from him and has a few meetups with him but then she ends up going off with jake yeah you you're led to believe that like she's gonna go meet up with pete because of all those phone calls and everything and he wants her to come on tour but then it's revealed like the big reveal at the end is that she's with jake or sees jake and then jenny's there at the airport and it's like a twist Mm -hmm. like oh my god Mm-hmm. But yeah, this whole storyline is just weird, though. <laughs> it's just so random. I will say, I love in the cabin episode where everyone just like doesn't believe he's really gonna come. They're like, "Oh, <laughs> poor Peyton. She's just like making this up." <laughs> yeah, yeah. They call they call him her uh, her snuffleupagus. <laughs> yeah, and then Brooke makes out with him because she thought that she was dreaming. I know that part in the kitchen. Oh my gosh. It's it's so funny, but also, it's like, you really have to suspend your disbelief. Like, I've never been in a situation where I'm like, ooh, there's a hot person in my kitchen. Let me make out with them. <laughs> right. <laughs> my question is, why did there have to be this storyline with Pete? You know? Like, why did that need to happen? <laughs> How did that happen? Like, it just feels so forced and random. It's like, do they really have chemistry? No. Pete's not an actor, really. Yeah, if you watch him in episode 18, too, like, Pete Wentz is not a great actor, either. Well, but he's also, like, playing himself. Yeah. Which I feel like is probably weird. Yeah, for sure. Because he's, like, playing himself, but, like, a fictional version of himself. 
Like, it's also possible that he's just not a great actor, but I can also see where that would be weird, where they're like, we want you to be you, but also we want you to, like, do these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want you to be this version of you. (laughs) You Yeah. That's gotta be really hard, yeah. And it's not like, that, yeah, that is a, that is an interesting point, because it's not like he's playing, like, a campier version of himself. Like, I'm thinking about this specifically, because I recently saw the movie Bros, and Deborah Messing plays herself in that movie. But she plays, like, an over-the-top version of herself, and I feel like she could really lead into that. In this one, it's like, Pete Wentz, there's nothing special about, like, Pete Wentz, the character. Right. Either, so, like, so how can Pete Wentz, the actor slash musician, lean into it? Like, what, like, what can he draw from, you know? Yeah. Because it's not like they made him into a narcissist or anything like that. They didn't make him into, like, this stuck-up musician that Peyton just got into a bad relationship with. Like, no, he's actually a nice guy. Older guy, creepy, yes, but a nice guy. It's just so strange overall. (laughs) (laughs) So... I don't know. The drama queens didn't seem to know, like, what the deal is with this storyline. Like, why did they do it? I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, like, was there some deal with Fall Out Boy and then also with Pete? And it was just like, because they made two appearances on the show and then Pete made extra appearances. Like, there must have been some kind of deal of, like, promoting this music. I don't know. I guess we have to talk about, like, some of the the harder parts now yeah so like you know you and me caitlin we're gonna be able to talk about this for like a full like almost two hours but Bray, do you want to talk about your relationship to this episode yeah i mean it's definitely like so hard to see jimmy knowing what is coming immediately next um with the school shooting and and it's hard to see Like, especially that moment, like, with Rachel, where I'm like, could that have made the difference? And, like, I don't want to put that on Rachel. And, like, and like especially, like, yes, this is a fictional television show, but we live in a world where this is very much a regular reality. Um, And so, like, no person should have to, like, live with any kind of guilt of, like, what did I do wrong? Like, that's not it. But at the same time, you can't help but wonder when you're watching it, particularly when you're re-watching it, of, like, would it have made a difference if Rachel had responded differently? Or even to the effect of, like, if Rachel had not released it, knowing those things, like, how could, like, would Keith still be alive? Like, would Jimmy have gotten to that point that he gets to if this hadn't happened? Like, there's so many things that sort of hinge on that time capsule release that's what makes this episode so pivotal because you do have those questions it's like if the time capsule wasn't released like would all of these things still have happened would they have happened now would they would would they have happened later it's really tough to watch the episodes leading up to 316 for the reasons you just stated Bray. Like, because could have some could we have changed something, and then we also have, like the whole Keith and Karen thing. That's just so. Oh, it's so sad to see them so happy and to see that happiness and their future be taken away. Yeah, 
Which, Jeremy, to your question earlier of like, why the adoption storyline? I honestly think that it is just for the extra like heartstrings in 316 and 37, like that, like they were going to be a family and like Keith wanted to adopt. Like, yeah, I think it's just to like make the audience feel worse. Like from a narrative, like writer standpoint, I think that's why it exists. (laughs) (laughs) I can, yeah, I can say that. Um, Absolutely. Um, But Bray, I want to go back to what you said earlier about, um, you know, if Rachel were to react differently, would Jimmy have reacted differently? I'm really glad you said that because even like as we were all talking about this, I kept thinking, I'm like, are we sympathizing with like a possible mass shooter here? That's why I feel like this episode produces a lot of great conversations mm-hmm. because like I've had I've had conversations with people about this episode, like privately off mic like not with you caitlin necessarily but people are saying like oh god like you know he still brought a gun to school and he's still bad but then you know you just bring up a lot of questions are like play devil's advocate but is he bad like i don't know and i I don't i don't know if there is like a finite thing you can say to like like what is right and what is wrong about this next episode right well and that makes me think of 317 with like the funerals and and the like conversation that Lucas and Skills have of like I don't remember it exactly, but it's basically like if we're if we make one mistake, are we judged by that? And then like if we're not, does that mean that like Keith and Jimmy are in the same place? And like what does that place look mm. like? And again, like I don't want to sympathize with someone that's like shooting up a school, <laughs> but at the same time, like I think that the human reaction is to like think about people as people which i think is also important and i feel like what makes this a little bit easier too is because like at the end of the day we know that jimmy didn't kill anyone right but the character for all the characters now he did he did kill keith you know we don't find out the truth until season four so i feel like it makes it a little bit easier for us as the audience to sympathize with him but i almost were like sometimes i wonder like are is this unhealthy the fact like oh like you know poor guy but at the end of the day, he still did bring a gun to school with the intention. Right. He still aimed and shot at a student. Yeah. And didn't hit that student, but did hit Peyton. Mm-hmm. And like, thankfully, it was her leg and like, but there could have been severe tragedy. I mean, think about, do you have sympathy with, you know, shooters who go into various establishments today? And do this. No, I don't have sympathy for them. Yeah. Um, I think society None. has moved beyond that. But this storyline is different because we get more of Jimmy's internal struggle. And like you said, Jeremy, we know, I think Jeremy, you said this, that we know that he didn't kill anyone. But like you said, Bray, he did bring the gun to school. Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about with this to wrap my head around it all yeah it's a it's a even play devil's advocate like you were saying caitlin like oh like you know would you sympathize with a shooter who goes into establishments no but with jimmy we know the story so if we you know if we say that is that kind of like saying that 
okay, these shooters who do enter establishments, oh, we don't know their story. We should sympathize with them. I'm not saying that's what you're saying at all. No, I'm I'm just saying, like, I wonder, like, I I wonder if, like, that's the type of message that's being put out there with this episode, which, and I feel like this creates another conversation. Does a work of fiction always have to have a moral message, or can it just be what it is, and, like, and can it just create conversations like this? I think there's two separate things going on. There is the shooting aspect, and there's also the bullying that he's had to endure, which makes it just yeah. more complex for the audience, I think, to process it. Um, at the time of this, of the when this episode aired in 2006, you know, our thoughts as a society were different. Like, I think there definitely was sympathy. <laughs> and, you know... I think it's a human response. I agree. I think the media plays a big part of this, though, now, because I think too, I think for a long time, the media, and I think the media still does it, you know, really tries to focus on the the shooter and yeah. trying to sympathize with them or connecting it to mental health yeah. and i think a lot of times it even can it goes as we know goes beyond mental health now uh, there's a lot of larger things at play than just that um but that is a factor for sure it's just it's such a complex thing well and even the way that this is like like this episode but then in the, the next episode as well like the discussion around mental health is definitely present and it's like I know a lot of people that have struggled with their mental health and they are not taking a gun to school or to work and shooting people. And like, should that be the narrative? Yeah, it's, it's really complicated. Yeah. That it is. Like I said, like, I I feel like, I feel like that's part of the beauty of this episode is because like, is it trying to say something? I don't necessarily think it is. I think it's just trying to give you all these ideas and it's creating these conversations but to go back a little bit to the the bullying aspect i correct me if i'm wrong if either of you know this but i think even at this point in 2006 i remember there was like this narrative around the columbine shootings like people thought oh the kids who shot up the school they were bullied and then we ended up learning very recently actually that that wasn't the truth they weren't just they weren't bullied they actually had like a lot of shit that was wrong with them yeah. And I almost wonder, like, if this... What am I trying to say here? Did this episode, like, predate that whole situation where we didn't know the truth about Columbine? I feel like it probably did. I feel like this reminds me a lot of the Buffy Earshot episode in terms of, like, I wasn't necessarily coming to school to do that, mm-hmm. but I did bring a gun to school. Yeah. And the way that we are made to feel sympathetic towards that person mm-hmm. through the narrative. Yeah, I think this episode overall is just a product of the time and how we viewed things. And it was almost a naive way of thinking, oh, let's create an episode of TV to create change. And obviously we know that's not sufficient. Um, <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. Never will be. So while I think their intentions were good and trying to create, I mean, they were trying to, I think they were trying to um, make a, you know, make a statement or 
share some kind of message about this as like a warning, but it also fulfilled the drama of the story. And this is the most pivotal episode of the whole show without the events in this episode. You know, it would never, so much else wouldn't have happened. Like it changes the whole course of the show. So I think we have to keep that in mind as well. Mm -hmm. It's very, very complicated. Um, And we'll get to unpack all this next time when we discuss Season 3, Episode 16. With tired eyes, tired minds, tired souls, we slept. And taken from our OTH DVD box, that's the description reads, The fallout from the time capsule release takes a deadly turn. A student humiliated by the revelations comes to campus with a gun. Lucas and Nathan risk their lives to save their friends. All right, let's have fun now. <laughs> I'm just going to do a prompt change of sound. So, Brie, I don't know if we did this the last time we were on here, but this is the part where we say, we'll be seeing ya, and we're just going to try to say it all at the same time, and it'll be really, really awkward, and we're going to try to match each other's And Jerry speed. will make it more okay. awkward. <laughs> I did not make it more awkward. No. I... Whatever. Okay, so. We'll be seeing We'll be seeing ya. Let's try it again. Okay. We'll be Why are y'all waiting for me? Because you're taking too long. <laughs> I was like, Caitlin, you can take the lead. Bree, you can even take the lead. We'll be I think we needed this. We needed, you know, we had a very heavy conversation. We needed to laugh a little bit. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. We love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.